this epic Apple situation, it's bigger than it might appear at first. Well, it appears to be big at first, but it might still be bigger than that. And the reason being is because it's not just about Fortnite. It's about Apple's entire business model and Epic's entire business model. And the two things meeting inside of the App Store and having their differences. Since we talked about it the first time, I've been reading some people's reactions. They say, look, Apple had this agreement in place beforehand. It was what it was. It didn't change. If you come and do business there, you should expect to, to have to deal with the rules that they set forth. It's their platform. And then you have people on the opposite side, on the flip side, saying, uh, look, this is uh, monopolistic. This is Apple... Uh, taking things too far, particularly when they start to launch competitive products within the ecosystem that is said to nurture these uh, third-party products like games and things like this. If Once they put their arcade in there, or in the case of Spotify, once they put their competing music product, then it's no longer a fair landscape. And since those companies don't have to pay the 30% charge, those products, I should say, Right, Apple Music, Apple Music, they could set whatever price they want. Apple Arcade, if they put out some Fortnite competitor, which would be very difficult to do on that scale. But if they did, they would have a major competitive advantage because they wouldn't be paying this 30% piece. And so you start to look into it a little bit and what you recognize, well, first off, I wanted to know, I was curious about the scale and scope of Apple's services business and specifically what type of revenue they were generating via the App Store and how that relates to the other products and services that they're a part of. Let me guess, a couple billion? Just, just a couple, just a casual couple of billion. Well, there's an article, a very insightful article on The Verge from Chaim Gartenberg and he addresses exactly what my questions might have been around the scale and scope of Apple's services business. Because the thing is, when Apple does their earnings calls and they, they talk about their services business, they, it encompasses a large number of things. And so you may look at it and say to yourself, okay, well, they got the TV uh, product, they got the music product, they got all these services. You might think that since that's what they like to talk about mostly when they're doing a presentation, you might think that that's the core of those services revenues. Mm -hmm. But it turns out the just the, the cut they're taking on the App Store is actually an enormous percentage of the whole thing. And by enormous, I mean Apple's percentage taken on digital content sold through the App Store accounted for an estimated $18.3 billion or 40% of Apple's total service re revenue. Almost 20 billies just on fees just on transaction fees. Now, when the App Store uh, started and imagined how they would run the, uh, the hosting portion of a particular app, back then you didn't have the same ecosystem of subscription apps that you have now. You would have free apps and paid apps. Mm -hmm. And the, when you had a paid app, the percentage would go to the app store. But that's a one-time deal, right? You buy this mm -hmm. premium app, maybe it's 50 or 100 bucks. And if you remember the Steve Jobs era, it was a big promotion around buying and owning your apps. And it was no talk about subscribing to services through the app store. Well, that's because it wasn't there in the beginning. 
the idea of having these recurring payments on subscriptions didn't come till much later, and it's all outlined very well in this particular article. In fact, uh, there's some there's some dates in here. In-app purchases come in June 2009, which is obviously not when the App Store launched. And it had limits on subscription models. Free apps remain free is an actual quote from Apple's mobile software head, Scott Forstall, at the time. So it wasn't until 2011 when Apple amended the App Store rules to bar developers from selling subscriptions or in-app purchases unless they were willing to sell them through Apple's ecosystem at the 30% cut. So this was a developing thing, and we spoke about how they cut they cut a very specific deal with Amazon where, where, and again, this all came out in the court documents. It came out when they were first being addressed by Congress, and then a lot more detail came out when we saw Epic's actual lawsuit, which they released publicly. Uh, but within Amazon's case, Apple wanted them in the App Store because they saw that it would be an advantage, I suppose, to their platform that some people, say with Prime Video, mm -hmm. if they couldn't use it on iOS, maybe that customer would no longer exist for Apple. So they cut a special deal in at least that one circumstance as the emails that came out during the Congress proceedings showcased. However, in other situations, previous or pre-existing circumstances like uh, the books, uh, uh, Kindle, yep. and audiobooks and things like this, the experience on iOS, you can't actually buy them through iOS. You can put them into your library, but you have to go outside of your app in order to do it. Mm -hmm. It's it's all backwards. And again, it's this workaround to avoid the 30% cut. Spotify, prior to all this stuff happening, was encouraging people as well to do their business with Spotify, sign their subscription elsewhere before... Mm logging in, and it just gets so messy mm -hmm. as people try and companies try to retain their uh, the majority of their revenue or actually pass savings on to the end user as Epic was attempting to do before they were banned from the, from the app store. So mm -hmm. uh, it turns out it's far more complex be because of the amount of revenue that it represents. Mm -hmm. If this was a small-time thing or a one-time service fee, I don't think Apple would it would be as important, obviously, to Apple or to the brands that are having the 30% take be, be uh, given away or paid for whatever you, however you want to address it. But once you get up to $18 billion or into the billions in general, it announced that developers get 70% of whatever they sell and Apple gets to keep 30% for upkeep. That was upkeep was yeah. the terminology that Steve Jobs used. And... Back then, he said on, on stage, we don't expect this to be a big profit generator. They were they wanted to be a hardware and software business. And if you, you know, the way that they, Tim Cook was speaking, even in the Congress hearing, was about how they just want to make the best products, products and services. Mm -hmm. Well, let's say that this thing continues in the direction that it's going. Are they actually supporting the best products and services if this dispute continues? Mm -hmm. If you can't, have Epic and if you can't have Spotify and you can't actually have the services you want to use, let's say it, you go completely to the far end of the spectrum that there's a boycott and many of these big brands leaves, then I'm not sure that that's the best experience for the end user. Mm -hmm. And But where where else could they go? That's the problem. Who? Uh, like Epic. Like they're not going to have their own launcher or anything because... I mean, well, I that I mean, that's what the court case is about. Yeah. They, they, you're right. They can't. 
their business would take a massive hit if they were not on iOS. And so they're going to try to make the case that they need to be able to be on iOS, but that the terms by which iOS and Apple does business with developers should change. Mm -hmm. That's the case they're going to make in court. Now, the problem being is that takes time and that takes money. And there's things Apple can do in the meantime to hurt their business substantially. And actually, one of those things I'm going to get into on the next topic, but I have very exciting news. Well, we actually have a sponsor today, a sponsor for Lou Later to keep enabling this incredible content that Willie Do is mostly responsible for, as we're all well aware. It is ExpressVPN, and you're familiar with VPNs, Will. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're going to use this when you do your shady browsing activities, as you would. Sure. Attempting to find all the various stories and sources and interesting things happening on the internet. Who knows? You may end up in an unexpected place, in which case you could be protected by a VPN, which is going to give you privacy. Uh. Privacy that's not all that different from the privacy you get when you close the door to the bathroom. (laughs) That's the example they gave Precisely. you. Yeah, that's the example they gave you to talk about. They say, you wouldn't go use the bathroom with the door open, would you? You would close the door. Well, the VPN is sort of closing the door on your internet tunnel when you're having your experience. It protects you from, I don't know, the little the spying that might take place mm-hmm. from your uh, telco and so forth. They can access whatever it is that you happen to be doing. It also unlocks content for a lot of users lets you see other uh, regions of content available in places like Netflix. And well, they've got a bunch of them listed over there. ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone. It works on a bunch of devices, even on a shared Wi-Fi network. ExpressVPN is as easy as closing the bathroom door. Once again, they're back with the bathroom terminology. Well, that's how easy it is. And I'm sure you do that yourself. It's the world's number one rated VPN by CNET, Wired, and The Verge, and countless others. So, if you believe your online activity is your business and your business only, take Willie Do's advice. Secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com slash Lulater today. Use my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash Lou later. I had to spell it out for you for the audio only people that can't. Maybe they don't see the link. They mm-hmm. got to type it in. It's expressvpn.com slash Lou later. You get an extra three months free. So either click the link in the description or type it in for yourself. Protect your online sessions and all of your unusual behavior. Very helpful. So this is the next piece that I wanted to get to. Uh, Apple's epic retaliation Apple is so upset about this that they're going after uh, their developer account, Epic's developer account on iOS. And the fear here is that this could put an end to the Unreal Engine on iOS forever. And the Unreal Engine, for those that aren't aware, is the engine on which many games outside of Fortnite are actually built. Mm-hmm. incredible games and the funny thing about this is i remember them talking about unreal engine i remember epic being on stage at previous apple events mm. as a real partner building some of the most graphics intense games in the early days of of the iphone mm-hmm. and so apple would have them out there tout them tout their skills and now well we're on the opposite side of that so apple is revoking epic's permission to develop to develop tools for ios and Mac on August 28th, and Mac, for the record. 
Not only would this prohibit updates to Fortnite on iOS, but it could impact every single game that uses Unreal's Engine game creation tools. Unreal Engine's game creation tools. Hmm. Now, Epic has filed a motion to stop this retaliation, a motion we're getting legal all over again. Epic is saying that, look, we could fight this in court along with everything else that we're doing, but it would take so long that our, that th this stuff would be wiped out. Mm -hmm. Right. It's a very, it's tough if a person has a favorite game that, that, you know, I don't, Yeah. this, this could be, this could have a massive impact. I don't know what the total number of games that are built on the Unreal Engine or using Unreal tools, but you presume it's a fairly substantial amount and Epic would have presumably license agreements with all these separate developers, allowing them to build on the backbone of Unreal. And they may, if those developers can't, whatever scale they're at, if they can't continue to do business on the app store, now that's impacting them too. And then what happens to their licensing deals mm -hmm. or however it is that that operates. Here's the quote in the document from Epic. If the Unreal Engine can no longer support Apple platforms, the software developers that use it will be forced to use alternatives. The damage to Epic's ongoing business and to its reputation and trust with its customers will be unquantifiable and irreparable. Preliminary injunctive relief is necessary to prevent Apple from crushing Epic before the case could ever get to judgment. So they're looking for an injunction, a way to delay uh, Apple's banning of these particular tools in order to prove their case. Because mm -hmm. Apple has leverage in this area that they could just turn off the faucet pretty quickly. And it looks like Apple is down to battle. Because making this type of move, it no longer just impacts Epic. It impacts anyone who works with Epic now. Mm -hmm. It goes one layer deeper. And I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, it's definitely a, it's definitely a heavy move. It seems like they're going to war. It does. With not only Fortnite, Epic Games, but other indie developers and game engines apparently yeah you want to if you want to work with epic then you can't work with us yeah. essentially i mean it's definitely an aggressive move and again it's within it's their business I mean, they uh apple's got a few lawyers themselves mm -hmm. apple's got a few billion dollars themselves many more billions of dollars than epic does and but funny enough that's epic's argument is they're look how powerful they are they can crush us with a few small decisions mm -hmm. and in a way, their ability to crush them is it, it, it makes the case that they're too powerful, which is the case that Epic's trying to make. Now, the, what will come up in court is, are they really crushed? They can still be on Android. Well, without the Play Store, where else can they be and, and what other moves take place? Can they still have a thriving business? And what is the actual effect to their business? Are they having to lay people off, I, and this will all come out. What percentage of revenue belongs to iOS or Mac platforms? What percentage of revenue is generated for those other, de uh, for those other developers through Epic's tools and engines and all the rest of it? And could, could this dismantle their entire business? They're gonna say that in the document because that's the case they're trying to, to make, but, but we don't know. And the problem here well, the problem for everybody involved is whatever precedent that this sets, however it is that this goes down. If Epic is effectively kicked out, it only emboldens Apple even further. If Epic is not kicked out, 
then every developer and every game starts to say, well, what about me? Yeah. They want to jump on and 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 then what is the rate? What is the acceptable rate as we mentioned before? And who gets to set it? It is still look, it's it is Apple's party. They mm-hmm. created the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a, it's a massive it has massive implications obviously for everybody involved and for app stores globally mm-hmm. and for Apple as a company, Google as a company and uh, and all the rest of it. Maybe there will be some new universal rules of what kind of fees can be accepted on these type of things. But as mentioned in the original article, this these service fees were not originally set up for subscription services and therefore not originally set up mm-hmm. to extract billions of dollars from partners on the App Store, but instead around one-time upkeep. fees, yay, for upkeep. Yeah. And you have the language out there publicly that that was the intent. The whole thing has just grown to a, a scale that maybe even Apple didn't or couldn't predict. Maybe even Epic couldn't predict, you see? So that does happen in some circumstances. Unforeseen, uh, like like it's not unprecedented in law that you you, you could have an athlete, Will, who wants to renegotiate his contract even though there's time remaining. And you could have people say, well, he signed that contract. And still the team is willing to renegotiate because keeping him happy is better than the whole blow up. Mm -hmm. You see, and I'm not... I'm using an analogy to call Epic an athlete, but you see where I'm going yeah. here. In a weird way, the customer would benefit if they could just get get figure it out. Yeah, have the athlete play. Figure it out. You know? Figure yeah. it out. Now, again, they're both playing hardball, so <laughs> it's easier said than done. Right. Figure it out. This particular analyst on Seeking Alpha thinks it's the end of an era for Apple. He makes an interesting case here. Not saying I necessarily agree with it. I think Apple has persisted for a long time and continued to exceed expectations. So I might be on the other side of this, especially if you want to bet on Apple long term. If it's a long enough term, then uh, it's really hard to predict. But he says Apple has a 30% downside potential, even with things going relatively well. We were talking about how in the last quarter they were one of the most robust. The iPhone SE seemingly successful. Other smartphone brands losing market share, them doing okay, particularly in the U.S. and also in China. Mm. Well, there's a number of things happening around Apple that have led to this guy's uh, analysis here. Just want to make sure who it is who wrote this, that it is a guy. I just want to get that right, Will. Can you find the author on this article? Mm. Yeah, where is the author? Isn't it normally at the top? You're killing me here. Anyways, I'll go into the analysis while Will searches feverishly to find find out. Who, oh, geez, this is a huge article. It's a huge article, but nowhere does it list the author, or at least it's not. I guess Seeking no. Alpha is maybe written by the same individual every time, in which case you don't need to sign it. It my authors here. Yeah, it's like a blog. Well, shout out Seeking Alpha anyways. I suppose in this case, it's sufficient to shout out the entire website. Anyways, in his analysis... We're going to assume it's him. We could be wrong, in which case you can cancel us. Mm. Uh, He says there's a triple threat. First off, you have the geopolitical threat, which we've referenced in the past. The the it seems it, it seems that at this point there's only one potential outcome with the U.S. China thing. It 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 just. No, I'm not saying Don't that say they it. go to some extreme uh, 
don't do it situation i'm what i'm saying is it's it only goes in the direction of increasingly difficult trade is -hmm. what i'm trying to say that there's going to be more restriction around trade They, they should get along you still get along you just have new rules around trade okay fine Figure out those rules and whatever. Move on. What you're willing to purchase, not purchase, and what you're willing to pay and all the rest of it. Mm. And what you're willing to buy. And what type of systems can be installed for your 5G and whatever else. That's all going to... They're going to hash all that out. But because that this is going to introduce a difficulty in how uh, Apple, specifically one of the few American tech companies that's actually doing significant business in China... It's going to impact their ability to sell their product there in some fashion. We don't know to what extent. We talked about the WeChat ban in the past, how that could affect somewhere in the neighborhood of 20% of Apple's business, 95%, apparently, according to a recent study, 95% of Chinese iPhone owners would give up their iPhone if WeChat were to vanish or become unavailable. Very important application in China. So increasingly doing business in China for American companies should become more difficult, not easier. Mm-hmm. Tesla, on the other hand, as I'm about to get to the story, they seem to be doing okay, but they put a plant right in China. Mm. Elon's been over there. We'll see if Trump has anything to say about Tesla that could impact their business in China. I'm sure that they could be on the list. I don't really know. Mm. I don't really know. But at least in Apple's case, this short-term stuff with WeChat and TikTok and everything that's taken place, uh, it's going to make it tougher for them to continue their progression in China. That's the first part of the triple threat. The second part is the legislation, everything that's going on with Epic and uh, Congress looking into potentially monopolistic or duopolistic practices for these big tech giants. I don't know what they're going to do from a regulation standpoint, But let's say this Epic stuff goes in the direction of Epic. If they have any level of success in convincing convincing the courts that they're in the right, then potentially Apple's services business could take a hit Mm. because there could be some new normal as to how much revenue they can generate through that. Of course, I don't know how all this would shake out. It's all speculative, and it's speculative for this particular analyst as well. But again, not a good sign. Apple can't be sitting there happy about it. Oh, we now have the biggest players in the world disputing our cut, which is representative of 20 billion bucks a year. That's we don't we obviously don't want that. And then the last piece referenced here is the global recession. This is referring to relating to the recent pandemic and uh, the 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 thinking that there is a kind of uh, softness to the smartphone market and the hardware side mm. and uh, and people gravitating towards budget devices is great. Apple gets to increase its number of units shipped, but the bottom line would prefer you to buy a premium iPhone and not an iPhone SE, mm-hmm. which we presume was was a hit for them based on the data that's out there and the average purchase price of a smartphone so far. So that number, of, the, that, the, that package of things, that triple threat is the reason that this particular analyst is uh, saying the, it's the end of an era for Apple's growth, but he's, I should be clear, he's not the first person to write an article like this, get clicks with a headline like this. There's plenty of people invested in Apple long-term in much the same way people invest in certain flagship brands that they're just going to hold it and imp- impact the price, whether the bottom line reflects it or not. And mm-hmm. Tesla's an example that we have plenty of others that we've looked at here on the show that 
seem to, to, to have their own, their own pace and their own robustness that, it, that where, where the brand itself plays a strong role right. and people's commitment to the brand, much in the same way people defend a brand on a tech video and investors defend brands with a similar type of allegiance. Mm -hmm. And even if you read the comments on this, people say, yeah, I, I bet Apple at whatever price and was planning to hold it long term. And now I've made, you know, all kinds of money because of it. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, hype, affinity towards brands, it all plays a role on the consumer level and it plays a role in the investor's level. So I'm not telling you to sell your Apple stock. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, iPhone assemblers, Foxconn and Pegatron feel threatened by China-based manufacturers. So we have, this is a thing I've been following. I'm interested in, obviously, uh, once again, this current uh, tumultuous trade situation has led to all kinds of bizarre uh, moves that, that, that seemingly wouldn't have taken place if it weren't for that. And this next one is sort of like that. The, the big Apple manufacturers, Taiwan-based, right? Fo uh, Foxconn being the biggest. And recently, one of them, Wistron, who assembles iPhone for Apple in Taiwan, sold the division that manufactures the iPhone to a Chinese company called Luxshare. Hmm. And up until this point, it's been all Taiwanese manufacturers assembling iPhones. Even if they're based elsewhere in the world, like India or uh, South uh, elsewhere in Southeast Asia, or even in Brazil in some circumstances, yep. uh, it's still been a Taiwanese-based company. But Wistron selling this piece to Luxshare has potentially pa uh, panicked the other Taiwanese makers that this transition could take place, and, and, or that Luxshare would have could have a competitive advantage over them, mm -hmm. and then Apple could increase volume and move away from from them mm -hmm. essentially not that they're they don't have much evidence but but this is a, a thing that apple's been pretty settled and fine with these manufacturers but maybe apple wants to diversify its supply chain for the chinese market specifically and wants to hedge its bets wants to leverage itself as well it's quite possible keep in mind foxconn the chairman recently the guy who came out and said china's days as the the world's factory are are over. He didn't say they're numbered. The days are numbered. He said they're over. So you have to expect that there's just some kind of tension there as well between China and Foxconn, potentially China and Taiwan. It's it's possible. But this uh, Luxshare company, they also operate out of other places beyond China, including places like Vietnam. And... If you click over to the next story, you'll see that Apple has been looking to start iPhone production in Vietnam as well. Hmm. So there's this like there's this real mad rush to figure out where the chips are going to fall. It's almost like an explosion took place and there's all this uh, potential for people to sort of clean up the mess. Yeah. And and uh receive the 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 leftovers yeah uh, scavenge it, well whatever it is that you want to call it i don't yeah. it's hard to diversify yeah it's 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 like the, the damage has created opportunity mm. it's almost like when a 
a, if a forest were to burn and then fertilize the ground beneath. Are you talking about uh, sequoia trees? Is that what happens there? They do that, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 there's new growth that can take place, and but it's seemingly moving around the world really rapidly. We talk about it a lot with India. I've got another story here about something going on there. But Vietnam, uh, Malaysia, Cambodia, it's crazy, man. It's It's spreading out now. And really, diversification seems to be the word because... If the thing is spread out enough, then no matter what the geopolitical landscape looks like, you have moves you can make mm. because you have facilities set up and you have manpower in these various places that may have a favorable relationship with the countries in which you want to export your product to. Mm -hmm. So the problem here with this, with this uh, facility in Vietnam operated by that Luxshare company that I referenced in the previous story is apparently it didn't meet Apple's standard. Mm. Uh, Apple, Apple wasn't convinced by what it saw at Luxshare ICT. They want to make sure that workers have somewhere to live rather than commuting. The Apple side comes to carefully check the welfare and safety of workers and put that issue first especially near the production site. If there is a dormitory for workers, the employees do not have to spend a lot of living expenses and are equipped with an air conditioner, water heater, washing machine in the room. It's better for Apple to just cover everything be yeah. because then there doesn't have to be a question about the living conditions of the workers. And this is good press now, now that we're talking about it. Well, sure, it's, it's, sure it's good press, but I think this is more, it's more importantly not bad press. Right. Because yeah. what happens if they find the off-site dormitory and it's not up to anybody standing. They say, these are Apple workers working at the fact. You see how it gets nasty mm -hmm. real quick mm -hmm. and it's a bad look. So they, if they manage everything, they can say, no, this is this person's life who works here and everything is uh, perfect and well taken care of. Mm -hmm. So I under, and, and Apple typically wants to control a lot of the experience everywhere, including on the assembly line. So that kind of makes sense. Now, apparently this particular plant is producing AirPods at the moment, but it, and it would like to move into iPhones, but it's not ready at the moment. It hasn't met the criteria, so they'll probably fit it out. Now, the Vietnam thing gets Apple around the tariffs coming from China. They can just take those products and go straight from Vietnam to the US or Western right. Europe or wherever, wherever they want to send those products. And so presumably there's a bit of a rush on their end mm. to also start to move production around and one of those places that may gain from the situation in china is india as we've talked about many times on the show uh, india's latest set of incentives which they've increased the incentives to entice businesses to move away from china to to instead do some level of manufacturing or at least assembly in india now up until this point all the stories we've covered, a lot of it had to do with the product that was destined to stay in India anyways. India would love, and the leadership there would love it to expand beyond that and into actual export from that country. So mm -hmm. it can, it, they can... Uh, Avoid tariffs? No, just, just so that you can increase volume, hire more people, oh. increase the investment in the country. The domestic market is huge in India, but of course the global market is still bigger. Mm. So if India can become an exporter, that's money coming into the country. Mm. See how that goes. Uh, anyways, the let's see what it is here. He announced Prime Minister the Prime Minister announced incentives for electronics manufacturers eligible for a payment of four to six percent of their incremental sales over the next five years. This is a bit it's a lot of money. Four to six percent of your sales over the next five years. 
the result, two dozen companies pledged 1.5 billion of investments to set up phone factories in the country. I mean, that's real, that's real money. Mm. Four to six percent of your sales over five years. Besides Samsung, those that have shown interest are Han High Precision, that's also known as Foxconn, Wistron, and Pegatron. And India is also extending similar incentives to pharmaceutical businesses and will go into more sectors as well in the future, but they are making a push, putting a rush on the push for tech because there's a lot of choices right now. And as I mentioned before, you have this, uh, every time something uh, terrible or something tough happens, you have opportunity. Mm. Just like I said with the trees and whatnot. Remember the trees? It was was a while ago. Mm. The forest. (laughs) <laughs> you have opportunity that comes out of situations like the current one that the world is in who gets to own the opportunity is whoever is the most motivated whoever can create these incentives who can who can move the fastest and up until the, this this point it's actually has been places like cambodia myanmar bangladesh vietnam thailand right it's been those places india wants to be on that list they want to say don't go to any of those places come here instead mm. invest here uh, we create jobs. I mean, you know the whole the whole story, and they've got data on this. So, the government expects the program for electronics alone could lead to 153 billion dollars worth of manuf- manufactured goods over the next five years, and about one million jobs directly and indirectly. You see how this works? Well, you just incentivize business just with just with money that's it sheer dollar value you just put a number on it you say look you invest here you get four percent back it's like a dividend yeah it's like a cash back credit card it's a nice injection of cash you just spend your money here instead and here's the money you're going to get back i mean you still got to do all the operational stuff but i mean they probably know that if you invest here it's going to be tough to pull out right you're going to have this enormous facility you're going to put this great facility in there you're going to be kind of somewhat locked down and presumably things go well you're going to be there for uh, a a period of time yes afterwards and it's going to continue to generate revenue you know what you could do with some of that revenue you could buy yourself a phone number Hmm. can i yeah you could buy yourself a lucky phone number oh at an online auction in china now i had to i had to ask couple people around the office here what the luckiest number was in china and actually vin knew right away he said number eight and he was right eight's a really lucky number some are not lucky four is not lucky anyways somebody spent three hundred thousand dollars in order to get a phone number ending in five eights there were hundreds hundreds of bids on that particular number eight is the most sought after digit in china why does that say hundreds of bids? Then down here it says 5,000 bids. That's more than hundreds, Will. <laughs> the number was among assets seized and ordered to be auctioned by a court in Beijing. I don't know why the guy got his number seized. Hmm. What's he been up to? Anyways, an online sale attracted more than 5,000 bids between Saturday and Sunday. Phone users in China, especially companies seeking to impress clients and business partners often pay a premium for combinations of digits considered lucky. Imagine you rolled up with a bunch of fours in your phone number to mm. China. I got a few. <laughs> I got one. I got one four. Do you? Yeah. How, how many fours you got? Uh, I got two. You got two fours? Yeah. Get I'm out of town. Bad. I'm doing no business with you, I'm man. Gone. How many eights? I got two. Kind of balances out. 
How many? I got two eights. Oh, okay. Are we giving away our phone numbers right now? Is that what's going on? People are doing the, it's a, it's, it's the meme. It's the beautiful mind meme. The, yeah, all the equations. The equations. They've got it now, Will. Anyways, it's kind of a funny story. I didn't even know you could bid on phone numbers, but I guess you could bid on any anything, really. Uh, people bid on URLs. People bid on... License plates. License plates. People bid on handles on social media. So, yeah, yeah why not bid on a phone number, even though I don't really call anyone anymore? But... There's some other there's some other lucky numbers. Apparently seven is good. The word the number seven sounds like a rise or life essence. It a lot of it has to do with how, what the number sounds like, and that's mm -hmm. why four is a problem because the number four sounds like death. Yes. So, anyway, there's your little <laughs> there's your little number superstition lesson. Fun fact. Fun fact, and uh, and if you got a bunch of eights in your phone number, just know it would be worth a lot of money in China. Although I don't think it. You can bring your number. I don't know. People will take uh, business. President Trump now has a profile on TikTok rival Triller. Triller not being talked about that much, but I guess it's a it's like it's a an American app, which is the equivalent or similar at least to TikTok. They want to gobble up some of that TikTok action, but it was out before TikTok, right? Mm -hmm. It was out in 2015. That's crazy. Uh, anyways, I guess Trump trying to his, show his support here for an American application or maybe just gather more followers started his account. At the time of this article on The Verge, he has 3,500 followers. You can click the link. I don't know. Maybe he's increased his followers since then. In the video clip posted to Triller, which I believe is the only thing he has posted right now, he says, I'm a professional at technology. I'm a professional at technology. That's what Will just played. Got freaked out by it. Oh, this has now over a million plays by the looks of it. Follow, text Trump. No, nobody can do it like me is the next line in the video. Follow Donald J. Trump on Triller. Anyway, this is kind of funny because he's obviously been at war with ByteDance and TikTok. And so... You'd assume the people at Triller might be happy about that. Mm -hmm. The people at Triller would be saying, we got all these extra downloads now because people are worried about the TikTok thing. We have all this new potential for business. And then we have Trump, who's got his own following on social media, a fairly big following on Twitter, mm. kind of a huge following on Twitter. He goes and posts to, to, to Triller. So you're happy about that. And then you start to wonder, hmm, how, what kind of handshakes take place mm -hmm. to make this thing happen? Anyway, I didn't know this thing's been around since 2015. I don't know if it stands a chance. I guess if he's got a million views, it means there's at least a million people. Yeah. But we'll see if it takes off. We'll see if his popularity is enough to bring a bunch of people to Triller. Apparently, he is a professional at technology. <laughs> so who knows what he's going to be able to achieve there. Smartphones with physical kill switches for cameras, microphones, data, Bluetooth, and Wi-Fi. Do you remember we made a video about a laptop? I think I called it the uh, the laptop Edward Snowden would choose or something mm -hmm. like that. It was a long time ago on Unbox Therapy. This was a laptop that allowed you to hit a physical kill switch for a number of uh, features. It even had a kind of delete button, pin-sized SIM card pin-sized button that you could wipe the whole system in a pinch if you needed to. And this was made by a company called Purism. And it was built on Linux. And the whole concept here is a secure 
laptop experience with no spying. You know, Will? Yep. You feel me? Well, now that idea has come to the smartphone because ultimately people are have moved on from the laptop. I don't know if you knew that. The world is much more into smartphones, so you would have to have something similar. And it's actually not just one. You have something called the Pine Phone, developed by Pine64, which has physical kill switches that you can actually see on the... Actually, it's easier to see it on the previous article. That's the phone right there. It looks like an old phone. <laughs> There's your switches. Modem, Wi-Fi, microphone, rear camera, front camera, headphone. Oh, wow. But these are dip switches. Yeah. It looks like you have to pull off the rear panel to access them, Ooh. which might not be the most fun, but it could make you feel sort of like a hacker mm. or like you belong in Cyberpunk 2077, which... You know, a lot of people want to feel that way. But if you scroll down a little further, you'll see Purism is back at it with something called the Librem 5 smartphone. And their product looks a little bit more polished with the cut switches, the kill switches on the side of the device. And you can get a better look if you click on their link as well to go to their website. They've got a little demo video, I believe underneath there which shows you around the device you can click play on that give us a few frames i guess now it doesn't look like the most modern smartphone it looks a little bit chunky here but it has an independent wi-fi and bluetooth card i mean these things are it's modular right. an independent modem and a physical disconnect switch for each one of these camera microphone wi-fi bluetooth etc so there's no communication when you don't need it you keep your data safe on an sd card reader it's an interesting segment of the market these aren't going to win any awards for the spec sheet as a whole it's a 5.7 inch display 1440 by 720 3 gigs of ram 32 gigs of storage and a 3500 milliamp hour battery but that's not really what you're into it for you're into it because you want the ultimate security experience you want to feel like keanu reeves you want to uh, hack the Pentagon and all the rest of it. And and you know the usual memes. Yeah. But I have to say, I did play with the laptop and I was kind of impressed by it. I was impressed by Linux, which I haven't used all that much. And I was impressed by just a slightly different take hmm. to this thing. You know, we just, we, we read a lot of stories on here. Remember that story recently? Instagram was accessing the camera inside of iOS and then Apple said, no, the light to the camera will never be on if the camera's not active, but then the light was on inside yeah. of Instagram. So you relied on the permissions of the actual app because they had access to it. So it's like a physical kill switch is a physical kill switch. Dead, boom, off. In much the same way if you put something physical over the camera lens, which Apple told you don't do that either. Right. So there's obviously some level of demand for increased privacy this takes it to a far level that most people won't go, but it's cool to see anyways for whoever thinks they need it. There's somebody out there that needs it. Yeah, making it analog in a digital world. Will he do, ladies and gentlemen? You could even run ExpressVPN on that device. Oh, yeah. Take it a level sure. deeper. Xbox Series X price just leaked, and it's shockingly high. Ooh. Were we close? Well, we only guessed the PlayStation 5. Oh, yeah. And you had that at 600 and I had it at 500, which isn't really fair because most people had it at 500 and you just you decided just to go to 600. Well, you were right, but except apparently that's going to be for the Xbox Series X. This was leaked by Alana Pierce on the Kind of Funny X cast. Apparently, a retail source told Pierce... 
the Xbox Series X will cost nearly six hundred, hmm. which is surprising because previous rumors had suggested the console could cost as low as four hundred. Current rumors put the PlayStation at five hundred. Does does Xbox really think they can charge more for the Series X without Halo? Six hundred bucks. Yeah, well, tough. I'm just gonna go ahead and say something here, if you don't mind. Maybe this is because they're gonna have the dual approach at launch. They have the S model, which is going to be the savings model for anyone who, with the cost sensitivity, and then they sell this one for six hundred. Apparently, we're supposed to learn more about the budget model fairly soon. We've seen the controller leak, the packaging leak, the renders of the cube-like design. This will be the non-4K gaming version of the next-generation console. That's the S. I suppose I could see that. Also, look, this is just a tip at the moment. Maybe maybe we wait and see. Maybe they wait to see how the market sh- shakes out. Uh, they don't need to commit to a price right now. They could change it at a certain point. They could even go into their own pockets and lose money on the thing. It's not like they haven't lost money on consoles in the past. Maybe it depends on how well their uh, uh, cloud gaming platform does. Mm-hmm. Subsidize the cost. And then all of a sudden they're like, we look at that. We we can sell it to you for 100 less. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but you let me know down in the comments. Is 600 too much? Are you willing to pay 600 what if the PlayStation is 500 or do you even need 4K gaming and maybe you're more interested in the S model anyways and 1080p is possible. Tesla, the Tesla stock price is just shattering everything. It's just an, it's just a wild it's a wild ride. Give me give me a give me a 5 day, show me a 5 day, show me a 1 month, show me a 6 month. What is going on here? Show me a year to date. What is going on here? Now, I know people are just listening to this and they're saying, what are you even looking at? Well, Willie Do likes to bring up the Tesla stock price tracker because he's the business guy on the show and it's just, it's part of the gig, really. We got to look at this this, uh, graph, this mountain that Tesla's been creating in the stock price. I mean, it's up 11.2% year to date. What is it up in one month? Oh no, wait, that's 11.2% in a day? What is that? That number doesn't move on this chart. Is that today? Anyway, look, I don't care. It's flying. It's currently sitting at $1,835. Is it in a day? 11%? Is it? Yes. Holy smokes. It's about 10% in one day. Give me the five day. From, yeah, dude, 30%, 30%. in five days. Look at us. We're, we are Bloomberg now. Yeah. That's all we had to do. You see that? You just had to, all you had to do was Google it. Pick the range. And pick the range. And, and now we are business. Anyways, $1,835 are getting close to $1,900. they are getting close to two grand. Most of it, apparently, according to Electrek, who those are your guys when it comes to you know, the electric vehicle reports. Apparently, Tesla's on pace to uh, to hit 500,000 car deliveries in 2020. That's a lot of cars. Well, that's, I believe that's half a million cars. I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You might want to dispute that. And also, they're selling cars in China. So that's why I, want, that's why I referenced them sooner. Mm. See, I don't know what Trump's going to say about that. He's always talking poorly of China. Uh, 
what's he going to say? He's not always talking poorly of China, actually. When I remember I was watching an interview shortly after the pandemic happened. He, he was kind of positive for a moment. And then, anyways, what? No, because they got a trade deal done right before the pandemic happened. He was like, you know what? Great things. Yeah. They're going to buy this. We're going to, they're going to buy food. We're going to buy this. Going to sell wheat. I don't remember what it was, but it was like, it was, it was at a high point and then mm -hmm. just post pandemic. Well, you've seen what's happened. Yeah, it's rough. Anyways, um, Tesla is doing well in China, apparently. Dominating the EV market in China with over 11,000 deliveries in July. And they put the, the plant in Shanghai, Shanghai the Giga, Giga factory. Yeah. They're all Giga. They put the Giga in Shanghai. They can improve the delivery speed. Possibly a couple chargers, possibly a couple service centers. And all of a sudden, uh, you sell a few cars. Mm. You make a few cars, you sell a few cars, and that's tough, man. That's tough. That's around the world. That's global now. You're moving product in China. So if mm. things continue at this pace, Tesla just, it appears there's no ceiling for it, which is kind of wild. I mean, a lot of people dispute this stock price. A lot of people dispute the success or the continued sustained success. A lot of people sit there and say, well, all the competitors just woke up. And competition's about to get much harder for Tesla. But in the meantime, people can't get enough Tesla stock. And that's not something we can dispute. Mm. Because Willie Duke can highlight a chart. And we are business. Speaking of Tesla, Elon Musk says two-factor authentication is coming. Did you know there was no two-factor on your Tesla? I so mean, it was a long time coming, but... Yeah, I, I would expect there would be. Yeah, because it's a car. Seems like yeah. pretty. You wouldn't want that password to get out. Anyway, apparently it will it will soon be available for uh, via SMS or an authenticator app. This came out via a tweet, as much of the Elon Musk news does. Here is the original question: Elon, say something about two factor authentication, man. Is it happening? Last year, it depended on some IT system overhaul. Dot, 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 dot. Speaking of that, I actually sent a tweet to Elon Musk. He didn't respond. I was asking about those solar roof uh, panels. Oh, to have one installed? And the, 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 they look like regular uh, shingles, but it's actually solar. But I was hearing it's been hard to get those, and they're not really promoting them. I don't know what the issue is. Right. And especially since we're based in Canada, I don't know what the restrictions are or how hard it is to come by this product. It was delayed and then everything else. So hmm. uh, if anybody knows, let me know on Twitter if anybody in Canada has successfully gotten those panels because I'm curious about that product. Hmm. Anyways, so he, he responds to the original tweet saying, sorry, this is embarrassingly late. Two-factor authentication via SMS or Authenticator app is going through final validation right now so tesla vehicles usually are pretty tough to steal in the first place but this will take it to another level obviously you'll have a pin code entry and then two-factor and i guess the authenticator app is going to be the most secure version of the whole thing and that's going to be rolling out shortly tesla people be ready holy moly autoplay video where is the autoplay video? There it is. Groundbreaking new material could allow artificial intelligence to merge with the human brain. Well, that's what Elon Musk has been working on with the Neuralink stuff. 
This is not directly connected to that, although I suppose he could use this material in his product. Scientists have discovered a groundbreaking biosynthetic material that they claim can be used to merge artificial intelligence with the human brain. Hmm. Previously, it's been hard to use the typical stuff you would use for some sort of a cable or a wire, things like gold, silicon, and steel. They can cause scarring when they're implanted into your mind to turn you into a cyborg, Will, because you're not made of metal. So unfortunate. You're made of guts and skin and stuff. Yeah. Good old-fashioned biology. Yeah. How dare you? The gooey stuff. The gooey stuff. Yeah. The meat sack. Yeah, that's what they say. That's you. Full of meat. Yeah. So, obviously, we're outdated, and we have to get upgraded. Oh, yeah. We got to get upgraded. And so, in order to do that, they're going to use a type of material... We got the idea for this project because we were trying to interface rigid organic microelectrodes with the brain, but brains are made out of organic, salty live materials. Those pesky brains. Yeah. Those pesky brains. It wasn't working well. We thought there must be a better way. We started looking at organic electronic materials like conjugated polymers that were being used in non-biological devices. We found a chemically stable example that was sold commercially as an anti-static coating for electronic displays. This polymer is known as P-dot or P-dot. Maybe it's a French philosopher hmm. by the name of Bidot. And also a polymer. Hmm. Sounds appropriate. Or it's just P-dot. Like T-dot. No one says T-dot. Oh, yeah. Back in the day. Remember that? Like, yeah. That didn't last that long. Or did it? Maybe it did. Yeah. Never really was never really the choice in my circles. No. T dot in order to reference the city of Toronto was never a popular choice oh. in my circles. Was it a popular choice in your circles? No. 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 It's just all you have to do is say Toronto, Toronto without the T at the end. Yeah. It's all you have to do. Anyway, shout out Toronto Raptors because when we checked up on the game, they were uh, up like 30. Points. They were up like 30, but who knows? Probably since we started filming this, because we were like, oh, that game is done. And then probably now. Yeah. Brooklyn came back. Brooklyn came all the way back. I doubt it. Not against those Raptors. This versatile, versatile polymer was recently discovered to be capable of transforming house bricks into energy storage units due to its ability to penetrate porous materials and conduct electricity. Your brain, your porous, gooey brain needs to be penetrated. And this material will allow that to happen so you can be upgraded. You understand? I'm down for that. Okay, you're going to be number one. Listen up. Listen up, Elon. Will's going to be the first guy on, the, on your brain implant assembly line. Just stick him in a chair, put him through the conveyor, oh. and upgrade that man. Get rid of this meat sack. Upgrade the man. Xiaomi's 9-bot go-kart pro... Just got a Lamborghini edition. Speaking of upgrading the man Willie Do, this imagine upgrading his ride to this thing, this go-kart. Little backstory on this. We've had this go-kart in the studio. Okay. The non-Lamborghini version. And somebody yeah. in the studio who will not be named decided to do about a billion donuts and break it. Whose that whose name will not be mentioned. Who will remain as the unnamed. Anyway, this thing is so much fun. The regular version. I don't think this one's any faster. But it has the Lamborghini styling. 
with the spoiler, it actually is like a Mario Kart go-kart in real life. It's very fun. It's so much fun. And if you have it on the slick concrete floors, it's handling. It has pretty slick tires. And it runs off of one of those little Segway-like devices. Yeah, so it's electric. It's electric, correct? So you you thrust. You lift it, you put it, I guess this one comes all put together, but the version that we had, you took a Segway, one of the nine-bot Segways, mm -hmm. and that became the rear wheels for the rear-wheel drive. Mm -hmm. And then the front and the steering was independent of that, so you kind of merged, merged the two units together. Maybe this one comes as an all-in-one package. It can carry a load of up to 220 pounds, uh, it features a 432 watt hour battery pack, good for 62 laps of a 400 meter circuit at a top speed of 25 miles per hour. You know what's interesting about speed, and a lot of people say this when they're driving race cars and stuff, is your your impression of speed. A lot of it has to do with the weight of the vehicle that you're driving mm. and how small it is. Like you could be in a, I don't know, a BMW 7 Series on the Autobahn going 200. And, and it feels like nothing. Mm -hmm. You don't really feel it because it's all so smooth and, mm -hmm. and the sound is dampened and the experience is a little bit less visceral. When you're in a go-kart, even though you're only going 25, it yeah. feels fast because it's so you're so close to the ground and everything feels tight. It's all tight. Yeah. The the control the the control of the unit is tight because the thing is so lightweight. So it's yeah, it's a lot of fun to drive. Anyway, listen. Uh, Xiaomi, if you have an extra one of these, I promise you we won't break it this time before we shoot a video. I promise you, if you can get one of these to us, we will shoot a video right away. We will have a time and we will film that time and maybe we'll help you sell a couple more Lamborghini editions. They're not cheap though. This one, Will, is going to run for $1,479. So it's, that's an increased price on the regular model, which doesn't look quite as cool, but it still looks cool. Tokyo's new transparent public restrooms are a stroke of genius. You didn't think I could hit you with this one, Will, especially not late in the show at 6.21 p.m. You thought, oh, I get it. All the serious business up top. He's going to hit me with some fast food story at the end. You didn't think I could hit you with Tokyo transparent restrooms. No. That's all I wanted transparent. to do. Transparent? What? See, that's all I'm I want. I'm curious now. That's all I wanted to do today was yeah. just hit you with something like this that you weren't expecting. It was my entire mission today. I had to get through the business section of the show. People tune in. They're trying to be informed. Yeah. Well, you got my attention. But I also have to bring this every so often just to remind you of what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. Just to remind you there's more to the story. Just to remind you things are happening in the world. I don't miss it. And also there's fun to be had. Yeah, there might be fun to be had. Yeah. So Tokyo was they were trying to fix their bathroom situation because a lot of What's people in, well a lot of people in Japan they weren't super excited about public restrooms. Uh. You know, they there's a lot of things to be afraid of with a public restroom. Let me explain to you the things you might be afraid of when you open a door to a public restroom. Number one, cleanliness. Hmm. You might open that door, catch a whiff, you might see a disgusting situation, hmm. right? Now, the disgusting situation, you start to ask yourself, how could this disgusting situation come to be? Well, a person has the privacy for the moment. Mm -hmm. They can do whatever they want in there. Yes. There's no accountability in the yeah. bathroom because the door is closed. 
Remember with the VPN earlier? Yeah. When you're in the bathroom, once the door's closed, you get to do whatever you want. <laughs> yep. That's okay. True. With the door open, on the other hand, there's accountability right there. And that's what's kind of happening over here. Uh, you make the you make it transparent, and now a person rolls up to it and they say, damn, that's clean in there. Right? They say, I, I won't mind entering. I'll use that public restroom. Go ahead, Will. Go ahead. It's transparent, though. Keep continue. Go ahead. You you can't do that. You can't do what? <laughs> well, what if you want to do number two? Yeah, you do number two, Will. You can't do it in a transparent bathroom. Let me tell you why you can. You see? Oh, boy. You click a switch once you enter, and the walls go opaque, sir. For privacy, hmm. sir. Because you're in Japan, sir. Hmm. So, you, uh, it's transparent. You walk in. Yes. Press a button. Yes. The walls become opaque. When you lock the door, the walls become opaque. You do your business. You take yeah. your time. You wash your hands. As soon as you unlock the door, transparent. Hmm. Is there someone going to be guarding it? Or is just people? No one has to guard it. You're in Japan. I mean, like an officer looking at, like, what happened afterwards. Why? What's going to go wrong, Will? Well, what if someone goes in and then, like, it's a disaster? Okay. Then, like, who's to blame? The previous... The in, previous guy, but yeah. he's already gone. Look at Will. <laughs> Will, why are you trying to trash bathrooms? The idea here is not to solve the problem completely. You can never solve the problem completely. Yeah. The idea here is to change the psyche around the public bathroom. That, hey, I understand it's an enclosed unit, but if we make it transparent when it's unoccupied, people are going to think differently about how they interact with the space. This is good design, Will. Um, I mean... They're going to think to themselves, wow, as soon as I exit this space, everybody's going to see what it looks like on the inside. I guess so, but who's watching? Just it's in a I park. It's in a public. It's in a busy. It's in a busy park. Will. Yeah, I mean, I I, I get it. I hear you. Well, anyway, they they tasked sixteen well-known architects to renovate seventeen public toilets. Do you know the other big fear apparently that that residents hmm. harbor in Tokyo, a fear that someone will be waiting in there. I see. So that that I think is a good idea. If that's the case, it's not more of a mess, but more of like a some some guy like hiding under a. Nobody toilet. can hide. There's no hiding. Yeah. There's no horror you can movie. See it before you, you walk see inside, in. you decide. Yeah. I don't. Know, I'll go in or I won't go in. That's a good idea. There you go. Well, yeah. I got you on that one. You got me there. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, I'm invested. Look, then they said the number one reason people won't enter. A public restroom is the fear that it's going to be gross. That just be like, I'll wait, I'll wait. And the clear thing solves that. Hmm. You can see inside before you go in whether it's clean or not. And if it's clean, you're going to say, yeah, okay, I'll use it. Yeah. So I don't know, man. What? I mean, it makes sense. Why'd you have to spoil the whole thing? <laughs> it's so exciting. This is so exciting to me. They look cool, though. See? What would you do uh, since you have yeah. uh, the perfect ideas? What is your... You're, if you're one of the 16 architects tasked with fixing the public restroom, 
Uh, what's your idea that's better than this? I I mean, I would I would do the same thing. Ah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I right. Have no ideas. I'm terrible. Yeah, I mean, you have to. You do have to trust the opaqueness of the glass because if you're big on the privacy oh, thing, yeah. What if it turns off? Exactly. You're part way through. The you're part way through. All right, I got another one for you, Will, that you never saw coming. Did you know about the pepperoni shortage? Oh no. That's right. So, couple couple of reasons. Obviously, pandemic related because every weird. I think I was talking about a shortage. Webcam shortage was another mm. one. We had a webcam yeah. shortage and a pepperoni shortage. So production goes down. Apparently, pepperoni is complicated to make. Uh, all across the U.S., pizza parlors. Damn. That makes I guess me, they're doing well. That makes me want to go to a pizza parlor. Just uh -huh. saying pizza parlor. The parlor part. The parlor part. Doesn't that sound so cool? A pizza parlor. I don't even know if I've ever been to a pizza parlor. What makes it a parlor? What is a parlor? Why is it different from a pizza restaurant or a pizzeria? Well, that's the Italian term. Damn, pizza parlor. Sounds delicious. Anyway, I don't think we have any of those around here. We just got the typical delivery stuff going on. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so they have a shortage and the, the price of pepperoni is going up because it's a really popular ingredient, as you're aware. Mm. And the consumption of pizza through the roof, pandemic style. Yeah, pizza's doing well. Oh my God, everyone's ordering During, pizza. Uh, COVID. They don't want to cook. They're stuck at home. Uh, it's a quick thing to do. You're looking for something different. Maybe you pick a couple of toppings you don't you wouldn't usually go for. And it's shared, like you always say. I always say it's shared. Yeah. It's it brings people together. Mm. Pizza. It's round. Round is also good. It's friendly. Like a round table. Very approachable. A round table is superior. Yeah. To a rectangular table. A rectangular table, okay? I'm all the way over here, you're all the way over there. Yeah. Okay. You walk into the corner of it. It hurts. A rectangular table is really just a bunch of small tables because the only conversation you're going to have without being a complete jerk is just right around your square section. Mm. You see? Now, the person with a strategic seat somewhere near the middle can actually entertain both sides, but that's, well, limited. Those positions. Yeah. And even if you had that position, you're, you're kind of squished and you want to be near the end anyways. You get a good round table. Now, this only works to a certain scale because eventually the round table, I get far from you as well. Yeah. But you get a good round table, the right size and the right number of people. You have yourself a conversation that a rectangular table is incapable of producing. Yeah, I, I agree. So consider it. <laughs> Getting one right now. <laughs> consider a round pizza on a round table yeah. if you don't mind. Well, you'll see, okay, I'll settle for... A hexagon. I'll settle for an octagon. And you will typically see this in the form of card playing tables. In which there's recognition that everybody needs an equal footing. Mm -hmm. Do you see the symbolism there? Now imagine that yeah. same thing but conversational. Yeah. I mean with the hexagon or octagon... There's usually one guy that comes in and then it just spoils all of the sides. You know what I mean? Just takes one guy. Wow. What, kind of, what, what kind of experience you. did you have? 
I mean, with a circle, it's all equal. You know? You can't have like a hexagon table with seven people. Oh. It's not equal. Oh. You know? You can't distribute equally. Yeah. It just gets weird at that point. What about what about a hex table with three people? You could distribute that equally. You could, yes. Yeah. But round gives you more options. I agree. Of course. Yeah. I'm not trying to talk you out of the round. No. I'm just saying that these have similar attributes. Yeah. These various shapes. And there's good reason for them. Mm. Shapes. Yeah. Last one for me. We were talking last episode about people fleeing New York City, Manhattan, possibly hundreds of thousands of people, bigger inventory of rentals than the than since they started tracking that data, like 13,000 rentals. Something similar apparently could be happening in San Francisco. Of course, you have many uh, people on the tech scene out there in San Francisco and south of San Francisco, places like Palo Alto, places like Mountain View, Big Silicon companies Valley. out there. Yeah, it's the valley. The Silicon Valley. Uh, it's very expensive. I'm not going to lie. Been out there. Um, never lived there, but, you know, you pop over to real estate. Expensive place to be. Tight. A lot of people commute as well. Bit of a headache. It's where Uber got its start. Just taking people from San Francisco, the actual city, down to Silicon Valley and back. They don't want to drive. They want to do a little work in the back seat. In fact, many of those big, huge tech companies just started to run their own shuttles. Forget the city bus, forget the transport. We, you run, we run a shuttle, you're on your laptop doing work anyways, even if it's an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Can't say I'd be a huge fan of it myself, but look, you got the big job, you do what you got to do. Mm -hmm. Well, we've been covering this post-COVID stuff. A lot of these big companies have moved to remote work. They've said, hey, we're not coming back. Google said, we're not coming back till 2021. Right. Others have said, look, we don't know if we're coming back completely the way we were ever again. Companies like Facebook encouraged to work from home. These people, you don't understand. They employ a lot of people over there. Well, you do understand. Yeah. And so when they say we're not coming back for a while, or they say, hey, you want to work from home for a while, then you sit around and you say to yourself, why am I here? You sit around and say, say to yourself, why am I in this one-bedroom apartment right here, $4,200 a month? Yeah, I can go to Cabo and just work there. Well, I don't know about beach. That's a little tougher because you got to go to a different country. So right, you need, but if you're re working remotely, I mean, you could. What happened to the voice there? Well. Uh, <laughs> voice is hard. <laughs> well. Uh, Cabo. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you're if you on these things and you say enough words, you're eventually dead. Either one of us. Yeah. I'm dead. You're dead. Say enough words. It's eventually. <laughs> I don't even say a lot of words. That's true. Yeah. I, Maybe that's harder, though, because then when you do, it's more pressure on every single word. You got the people hanging on the end of their seat there. Yeah. There's just cobwebs in my mouth. Yeah. So. No. So a lot of people are, you know, they could just go uh, to the next state over, really. They could go find a cheap deal. They could go to Arizona. They could go to Vegas. Uh, they could go a little further north up towards Seattle is going to be cheaper. If uh, you could go, you could go to the middle of the country, save a bunch of money. Yeah. Rogan goes to Texas. You could go to Idaho. 
you go a lot of people like colorado although it's i think it's uh, getting more expensive to live there as well but people are sitting there and they're really considering where do i have to be if i'm locked up inside why am i here and if i'm working remotely and I, all i need is an internet connection why am i here yeah and add to that the restaurants are shut down which people that's probably the best thing about big cities are restaurants mm-hmm. and and then you say well this is a real waste of money i'll come back when that gets sorted out and the restaurants open back up so uh this appears to be happening in places in a number of big cities but particularly expensive ones they're not going to have data for a while on exactly what this evacuation or city exodus looks like but when when you have companies like Facebook saying employees could stay away for as long as they could and and they employ 52,000 people these type of exodus could be could be quite large mm. you have there's a cybersecurity firm listed in this article called Tanium they have 1500 employees that work uh across from San Francisco and they say no we're done Everybody works from home now. If it's just 1,500 people, where do they go? Hmm. Why do you live where you live? I mean, work is a big part of it. And you take that out of the equation and you think to yourself, wow, I could live anywhere. See, so for example, Will, if you didn't have to be here right now, if we didn't have to decide on a physical uh, place, we didn't have to be in a physical place. If I said, Will, it's all remote from now on. I mean, we don't have 1,500 employees, so it doesn't really matter. But, and you could choose to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Where do you go? Right now, I would love to go to Iceland. You go to Iceland? Yeah. To work remotely. Yeah. That's very remote. Oh, yeah. That's probably the most remote. See, the only problem with going that far is now time zones. You still got to get on calls. Yeah, I know. That's very remote. During this time, though, do you feel people working remote, do they lose some sort of like team spirit oh god yeah you know you lose all kinds of spirit man you got to be around people i mean geez yeah we know this you got to my house is is just madness there's so much going on there Hmm. i can't imagine this has been like six months now and i'm i'm sure there's plenty of people who have been mostly inside in an apartment for that period of time Hmm. and that's a rough grind man Mm-hmm. that's not going to be a good time. That's not going to be a healthy psyche. I commend anybody who's who's worked through it and been productive and figured it out, whatever works for them. But no, we're definitely at that threshold where, you know, p- potentially for people that could be lasting damage having been isolated for this long. Yeah. I mean, you go, what's the worst punishment? What do people, what, what happens if you're a really terrible citizen? you be you get isolated isolation you get isolated but never i mean not in my lifetime has there been an event that has has resulted in this level of isolation for this period of time for this number of people and i mean i can't wait i'm sure like many other people to get on the other side of it mm-hmm. but i think we're almost did you try to cut me off man i was having a moment and everything <laughs> Well, All right, end it, end it, it, it Will. That was a deep pause. End it, Will. All right.